for Easter by observing a period of fasting, repentance, moderation, and spiritual discipline. Ash Wednesday emphasizes two things, our sinfulness before God and our human mortality. The service focuses on both themes, helping us to realize both have been triumphed through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. During some Ash Wednesday services, the minister will lightly rub the sign of the cross with ashes onto the foreheads of worshipers. The use of ashes is a sign of mortality and repentance, has a long history in Jewish and Christian worship. Historically, ashes signified purification and sorrow for sins. It is traditional to save the palm branches from the previous Palm Sunday service to burn to produce ashes for this service. The ash cross on the forehead is an outward sign of our sorrow and repentance for sin. Ezekiel 18:30-32 Therefore, you Israelites, I will judge each of you according to your own ways, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent, turn away from all your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed, and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, people of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent and learn. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Gerizim. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes.
evening. On Ash Wednesday, the this theme, if you will, is uh, is repentance, of course, and and so we're certainly going to cover that tonight. But I, I hope to uh, to speak for anywhere from fifteen to I don't know twenty minutes. Hopefully, no longer than twenty minutes. I'm going to tell you that on the front end. But I do want to cover three sort of topics or phases. Uh, phase one will be repentance. And then uh, phase two, I want to talk about new life. And then three, I want to talk about fruitfulness. Okay, so it won't be just 15 minutes of us discussing how awful we are, and then we, then we leave. Uh, I do want to talk about repentance and the need for it, uh, and then we'll move, we'll move forward so hopefully we can leave tonight um, with, with a goal in mind. And that is, that is my hope. Before we go any further, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's pray. By the way, well, I'll say this, I guess. If you have your Bibles, we'll, we'll end with, uh, we'll read a large section in John 15. So if you, uh, if you brought your Bibles you can, uh, in your type A, you can go ahead and turn to John 15. Um, if you didn't bring a Bible, there should be one in front of you. If you don't have one outright, that's our gift to you. Take it home with you. If you do have one but you didn't bring it, leave that one here. I don't want to add to your collection. Uh, so let's pray, then we'll dive into the text. God, thank you for being a God who allows us to repent. God, may repentance tonight start with me. I know my heart. I know my thoughts. God, oftentimes I'm not what people see. You know me and I know me. God, will you forgive me? God, would you take me back? Or would you keep me in a relationship with you? Lord, would you speak now and move me out of the way? I pray for the discernment to know when to press in and the discernment to know when to relent. God, I pray I'll go as far as you allow me to go and no further. And I pray above all things you're glorified. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Throughout the Old Testament and the New, we see repent really come, come up a lot. Right? It's, not a, it's not something that's hidden in the Bible. It's not something that God just kind of hopes we see. It's something that God is telling us from, uh, from the beginning. Uh, after the fall, we see this as a message from God. I want to first kind of define repent and repentance as we, as we move forward. I don't want to just assume that we all have the same definition of it. So to repent means to do a complete 180, to turn away from uh, whatever it is, that sin or that decision. It's not how, how close can I get to something without it being a sin. It's as soon as I identify something as sin, let me go the opposite way. Okay, another term I want to give you, and I don't want you to, and I want to be careful with this because I don't want you to think about this term instead of repent, but I want you to think about this term alongside of repent and repentance, and that's the word align. So when we think about repentance, I want you to think about aligning yourself with God's standard. Or for those of us who maybe we've been in Christ for a long time, maybe tonight we need to realign with God's standard. So it could be a big night for, for a lot of us. Perhaps we're going to align with Christ, repent for the first time, and come to the Lord. Perhaps we will realign with God. Maybe we're in a season where we kind of ignore God for a little while. Maybe we've had a, a difficult past couple of days and we want to again realign with God's teaching. So think about that as we, as we turn to the word repent. So, so from Jeremiah 15, verse 19, God says, If you repent, I will restore you. If you repent, I will restore you. Matthew 4, Jesus says, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Right, so yes, Jesus taught a lot about love, but his first sermon, first message after the 40 days in the, in the desert is, uh, is one of repentance. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is among you, it's at hand. So 
But his first message in his ministry was repent. Acts 2, Peter, when he's addressing the crowd at Pentecost, he says, when the people heard this, because of Peter's speech, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter then replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's Peter, after he's just been filled with his Holy Spirit. His message was repent. Acts 17, Paul says, In the past God overlooked such ignorance, or such sin, or such decisions. In the past God overlooked it. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. So there's a common theme here. You have God saying, repent, and if you will repent, I'll restore you. Jesus is saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. Peter says, repent for the forgiveness of your sins. And then here's Paul saying, repent. And God's calling all people everywhere to repent. So my question is, have we repented? Are we repenting? Because repentance is an ongoing thing. I hope that we can get to the point, and I hope in my own life I can get to the point where I can stop repenting from the same sins and I can just have deliverance. Maybe I can just fight temptation. Perhaps we won't have to keep asking for forgiveness of God for for the same behavior because maybe one day, maybe today, we can give it up for all time. We can finally put it to death. And if not, may God be gracious to call us to repent. And to repent is to align with Him or to realign with Him. And if we do, those of us who, who are in Christ, I want to focus on 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11. It's, a, it's a, a pretty heavy passage. It should be familiar if you have some church background. But 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11, Paul says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And here's the beauty in this verse. Again, he's writing this letter to the church in Corinth. Here's the beauty of this verse. He says, and that is what some of you were. This is past now. You were that. That is what some of you were. All of us in here, I'm sure, have been greedy at times, idolatrous at times, struggled with sexual sin. And Paul says, that is what you were. That's in the past. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Psalm 51, 7, David says this. He says, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. So if you couple that with, with Paul's words here, my question for us then is, who cleans you? Who cleans you? Who washes you? Who sanctifies you? Who justifies you? Who forgives you? If it's God, why don't we glorify Him and worship Him as such? If we're in Christ, and, then, and, and Paul can say of us, the Bible can say of us, that is what you were, why isn't the result for us much more worship than it ought to be? If we were this, we were that, this is in our past. Or do you, see, or do you still see on some level that you washed yourself, you cleaned yourself up? 
And God is justifying you, God is sanctifying you because you're so good now. We all know, surely that's not the case. None of us in here, if we could have our lives or our thoughts, even during this service, our thoughts projected on the screen, nobody would want to be in the room for that. I wouldn't want my thoughts projected on this screen for you all to see. Of course not. And I love that the Bible says that is what you were, but you were sanctified, you were washed, you were justified. David says, God, if you clean me, I'll be clean. If you wash me, I'll be washed. And some of us, instead of going to God for justification, instead of seeking God for sanctification, we think we can grind our teeth and we'll just modify our own behavior. And, and if we follow Christ, our behavior should be modified naturally. But if you start with your behavior first, you'll never get to sanctification. Let me clean up my act so God can take me back. Colossians says the exact opposite. Set your eyes on Christ and then you'll be free to put to death that which belongs to the devil. And too many times we start with let me modify my behavior and that will appease God. And because we lack a robust notion of sin, because we lack a, a full understanding of how much God hates sin, because we lack that, we have an, we have an impoverished understanding of redemption. Because if I took to heart how much God hated my sin, He hates it, I hate it. And if God hates it in me, and then He says, but I love you enough to wash you, to clean you, to forgive you, to justify you, to save you, and then to carry that on to completion until you're fully sanctified. If I believe that and I understand that, and I understand how much God hates my sin, but then how gracious God is to redeem me from that, my life should look a lot different. See, that's the abundant life Christ is talking about when He says, I came to give life and give it to the full and give it abundantly. And a lot of us are walking around covered in guilt and shame and sin, and that's not the abundant life that Christ came to offer. And if the death on the cross... If it has no implications for us today, but has implications only when we die, then Jesus is not your Savior. Death is your Savior. But if the death, crucifixion, and resurrection can apply and have implications for you today, then I'm not waiting for death to live. I can live in this moment because redemption has come and salvation has come. And the kingdom, as Jesus says, is truly here and it's at hand even in this moment. So if you're not in Christ, today can be a day of redemption. That can be the night where we repent and come to the Lord for the first time. If you're in Christ, may tonight be a night of realigning with Christ. And are you living as one who's been redeemed? Are you living in the, that is what you were, but you've been justified, but you've been washed? Are our behaviors, are our sins, is that a life of the past, or is it constantly haunting us today? And are we living a life as one who has been redeemed. And I want to talk about fruitfulness as we, as we begin to land the plane here. Because we talked about repentance. And if, if we repent and God restores us, now there's going to be new life in Christ, what does that life do? Well, it should bear fruit. So let's look at it. Matthew 3, 8 through 12. John the Baptist says to the Pharisees and Sadducees, Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. 
He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And then John 15. You can read this one, not together out loud, but you can, you can follow this one together. John 15, 1 through 17. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. Now keep in mind, John the Baptist said earlier, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I want to stop there for a second because if you look at verse 10, Compare that with John 14, 23, where Jesus says, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. All right, so Jesus says, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teachings. If you love me, you remain in me. So what can we conclude from one then who's not obeying the teachings of God, who has no regard for the, for the, for the standard, has no regard for the teachings of Christ? Can that person say, I'm in love with the Lord. I just refuse to do what he says. I love the Lord, but I refuse to repent, as Jesus told me to. I love the Lord, but I refuse to align myself with His standard for how one should live. We'll keep going. Verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love one another. Right, so as we end here, with how do we then live a, a fruitful life? It does not start with me saying, you know what, I'm just going to go out and do a bunch of good things for the kingdom of God. Because if your motivation is not is not bent on delight in the Lord, and there'll be no power, no authority to what you're doing, and you're not going to appease God with that anyway. So if I want to live a fruitful life, where does that begin? If I want my life to bear fruit for the kingdom? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. Hosea 14, 8 and 9, here's what the Lord says. Here's what our God says. Your fruitfulness comes from me. I want you to think about how freeing of a verse that is. So God says, I want your life to bear fruit. But now listen, your fruitfulness comes from me. Who is wise, he will understand them, referring to his teachings. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. 
even though we may have been whatever is in that list from, from 1 Corinthians, greedy, idolaters, sexually immoral, adulterers, even though maybe we've struggled with that, the offer on the table is that can be what you were. And tonight you can be washed, forgiven, cleansed, justified. Sanctification can begin. God willing, He will complete that in us. If our lives are submitted to Him, surrendered to Him, then our lives will bear fruit for Him. Because our fruitfulness comes from Him. And praise God for that. That that burden is not on you and me to now go out and be fruitful. If I'm submitted to Christ, my life will bear fruit for the kingdom. Despite my past, my life will bear fruit for the kingdom. As I now repent and align myself or realign myself with the commands of Scripture, with the commands of Jesus. Let's pray. God, tonight perhaps there are, are individuals who need to repent for the first time. God, would you give them the boldness to do that? And God, would you save? Would you save them? Would you justify them, Lord? God, I pray for those who are in you, who need to realign with you, who need to repent as well. God, may this hour be an hour of redemption. God, thank you for redeeming us, that you don't leave us in our sin. God, may our lives be submitted to you so that we bear fruit for your kingdom. And all for your glory. God, I pray above all things, you're glorified in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Everyone said. Good word, good word, and uh, I will be coming tonight to realign myself, so thank you for preaching the word. If you will take your bulletin, you will see together, we'll share together there in the prayer of confession. This is straight from the Bible, this is the words of David in Psalm 51, so will you join with me in this prayer of confession, saying together, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain in me a willing spirit. Then I will teach others your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from death, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. And this is my prayer in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. If you are visiting with us for the first time, we were sharing the imposition of ashes by taking just what we did. We took ashes.